This is an ABC podcast. Can you be more Pacific? On ABC Radio Australia. And welcome to another episode of Can You Be More Pacific? My name is Sarah Nangama and I'm joined by my co-host, Dean Halitau. Fagalofalahi to everyone and welcome to the show. We've got plenty to get through, including a look back at the weekend in sport. We've got an interview with Isaiah Parisi and we've got a new question for You Can Ask That. As always, Sarah, how's your week been? My week has been solid. It is grand final week, Dean. Grand final week. It's GF week, baby. How's the nerves, the build-up? Um, look, the, I don't think I've hit um, the nerves as of yet just because there's, you know, like we don't travel till tomorrow um, down at, to Melbourne. But what I'm, what I'm reminded of is how sore my ears are. So I'm a second rower and I'm constantly packing the scrum. And two times in the past I've had to have my ears drained and my ears are starting to callous. Oh, no. I am going to be, Sarah, with the cauliflower ears. Well, I, I can... Empathise with you. I've got. I'm sporting some cauliflower ears, so hopefully <laughs> yours don't turn out looking like mine. Yeah, look, it's just really tough. It's so sore. It's just yeah. so sore. And you know, Wednesday nights at training, it's not meant to be scrums. And they're like, all right, you guys got units. You're in a scrum. And I'm like, I haven't even strapped my head. So now, even for training, I have to. I'm rocking my white tape, and white tape is only reserved, particularly for my head, only for game day. But it's like, I'm at, I don't know, like, does that make me an old player? Because now I'm like, I've got a strap before I play. Yeah. I'm 26. <laughs> you're you're a, a veteran player. Uh, you can be a veteran without being old because like. Yeah, true. So experienced. Experienced, yeah. You know, she's, she's, coupled, sound, yeah. She, she's weathered a couple seasons in life, <laughs> you know. <laughs> a couple of seasons. So, yeah, look, besides my ears, I'm very excited for the grand final fixture, but we'll get into that a little bit later. How's your week been? Week's been good. Obviously, Easter uh, last weekend, so spent a lot of time with the family, which is awesome. But I also got to play a game of golf. So, you know, I talk about golf. No one really cares about golf in this room. What's but, that? But I love golf. Got out for a hit. Anyway, I was, a lot of the courses have been um, really inundated with water with all the rain that's been going on. So it's been hard to get on a course. And I went down to Wollongong and played down there. And Ooh. there was um, – I was walking on one of the holes, and it was just mud everywhere. It was like a swamp. And – I've lost my ball to the left, so I'm going looking for it. And there was like uh, a little patch of green grass. And I thought, this looks really nice. Like I can get out of a bit of mud and get onto some green grass. It looks really good. I step in the middle of this patch of grass and it would have been about five by five, like pretty decent size. And the whole thing sunk into the ground by about a foot. <laughs> like I, I, I thought I was in a sinkhole. And <laughs> one of my mates I was playing with, he was standing like maybe 10 meters to the right. And he looked over and he swore and goes, get out of there. <laughs> And I, I, I didn't panic, but I was just like for a second thought, you know, when you get nervous yeah. and like, I was like, what's going on here? Do I do, what do I do? Do I? Why did it sink? Well, I thought I was, I legit thought I was in some type of sinkhole, but it's just because there was so much water underneath the ground. Right. And I think that sort of little parcel of grass was just sort of floating a bit. Um, <laughs> but yeah, the whole thing's like caved in and I was like, oh, where do I go? Buckled. Yeah. The lad buckled. I got out of it. Well, I'm thankfully. glad. Well, yeah, because if you didn't, then you wouldn't be in studio and then that would just been awkward. <laughs> That's right. This week in our top story, Timano Martin returns to the fold. Now, this is really exciting because after 1,092 days, 
he joins the Brisbane Broncos and takes the field again. Yeah, this is uh, awesome news for Tamari. I, was, I spent some time with him at the Tigers. He played in the lower grades there and uh, he spent time at the Panthers, at North Queensland Cowboys. And um, when he was up at the Cowboys, he had uh, an injury, had a bleed on his brain and uh, for safety reasons, obviously, and for his well-being, he stepped away from, from rugby league for a while and um, needed to give it time. He was actually, at that period, he was just going to give rugby league up, but um, he stood down and uh, was able to recover and he's had clearance to, to get back to playing again. And um, for him to make his way back into the, the Broncos squad and, and get an opportunity, I think it's an amazing story. Like you said, a thousand, was it a thousand and ninety-two days of, of not playing rugby league at that level to be to be picked again to get through that kind of setback uh, shows you know what a character he is yeah so much resilience and i'm sure it'd be a very special moment for him and his family when he takes the field again crazy though like 23 years old forced to retire and then he's back yeah it is it's um you know like i said at the time it was a bit of a shock for everyone and uh, but scary if you've got something like that happening that mm. you can understand the decision um, it's just great that he's recovered yes all the best to him this weekend Turning our attention to some exciting fixtures, the Rugby Sevens uh, continued and it was held in Vancouver. Fiji did find themselves in the final match. However, they lost to Argentina 29-10. to Manasan were featured for the second time this year after being absent due to COVID over the past two years. So they did play Australia in the bronze medal match, but unfortunately fell short. With a final score of 21-19, it's an improved performance from the week prior in Singapore and very promising for them considering how much time they've missed out on. Yeah, I think they were, they were in front for most of that match. So Correct, and they, it was at halftime. Yeah, and wow. uh, you know, to, to be in a bronze medal fight and to only just miss out against a team like Australia, we know is a pretty quality side. So Manu Samoa, as you said, great to see them back in uh, the, the seventh circuit and competing and uh, hopefully they go at least one better uh, at the how next good, tournament. Yes. It'd be great to see them have some success. Now, Super W was in uh, semifinals last week and you were successful. Yes, you were successful. <laughs> the New South Wales Waratahs, we defeated the Queensland Reds 36 to 0. This was a door die match, so both teams were ready to go to war and we knew particularly as a team that we had to throw everything we had if we wanted any kind of chance to feature in the grand final. And it was hosted at Marylands. Um, both teams came out fine. Queensland Reds were in, were in form, sorry, um, particularly in the opening 15 minutes, but we slowly found our groove. And, um, you know, I think it's a, a pretty incredible achievement to hold them out for a whole game in a semifinal with a scoreline like that. So um, I guess that, that game is done and dusted and we now turn our sights onto a huge grand final this week against Fijiana Jura, which will be held down in Melbourne. So get around us. Get around you. It's a pretty impressive performance, 36 nil after previously the week before, was it Fijiana that, that took you down? Um, two, weeks two weeks before, before that, right? Yeah. So um, you needed to win, 36 nil. great result. Fantastic result. And Good luck this week, of course. Oh, thanks, Dean. <laughs> <laughs> you can send me a message on game day too. Yes, thanks. Yeah, great. <laughs> Turning our attention to Super Rugby Pacific, we hit round eight and the fixture that has every single person talking is the Crusaders versus Blues match. They've done it. After 18 long years of defeats in Christchurch, the Blues have finally claimed a win down south. Tough place to go, Christchurch, to get a win against the Crusaders. Reminds me of like Canberra, like tough place to go and, and win. Yeah, and it's very similar actually. Yeah, right? south. Really cold, down south. Mm. Um, Crusaders probably have a better record than the Brumbies, but... Oh, yeah, no doubt. <laughs> so it is a tough place. But, yeah, well done to the Blues. Boat and Barrett, big game. Big game. Yeah. There was, it was a game that had everything. There were 
big hits. There were red cards. There were clutch moments. And, yeah, I'm really stoked. I'm not impressed, though, because my tips have gone through the rubbish now. But (laughs) whatever, that's a story for another day. The other fixture I wanted to highlight was the Melbourne Rebels up against the Queensland Reds. Now, this game was a game I think – I mean, I I commentated this game and I was like, yeah, you know what, Queensland Reds, they've got this in the bag. Melbourne Rebels, they're two on the trot. Can they really do it? And they were so in the fight. They really, really controlled that game. And I think it was probably a bit of a shock for the Queensland Reds because the Melbourne Rebels, again, have been quite inconsistent. But two on the trot, it's amazing what that kind of confidence can do to you. They've been an improved team, but this year, right? Correct. Rebels have been, over the last, what, four or five years, sort of strugglers. They haven't um, pushed real hard, but to... To only lose by four to the Queensland Reds, who we know are a powerhouse in Super Rugby, so impressive again from the Rebels. Yes, and the real test now for all Aussie teams will begin this weekend in Melbourne. It is Super Round, which basically means all the teams from New Zealand, all the teams from Australia, including the Super W Grand Final, will be hosted down in Melbourne, and it'll be a spectacle of rugby. It's so fantastic for the game. I've always envied Magic Round and what it does um, for NRL, so I can't wait for us to duplicate that scene um, and do it for the game. It's going to be an absolute vibe. It sounds like an unreal weekend down in Melbourne. I wish I could get down there, actually. Yeah, catch me at Chapel Street later. (laughs) (laughs) No lies in that either. (laughs) You know, if you know, you know. (laughs) Round six, NRL, what's been happening? Yeah, well, the Storm took on the Sharks, and this was um, billed as one of the matches of the year so far because the Sharks have been travelling so well. The Storm, consistent as always. If they've lost a few players through injury, but um, nonetheless, it was a, a pretty um, convincing performance, I'd say, from the Storm. And uh, their, their number six, Cameron Munster, was enormous. He had a number of line breaks, a try, try assists, and just was on point. He's um, looking to re-sign. There's, there's a club circling, um, namely the Dolphins. So he's um, done his no, chances. No, that's a huge signing for them if well, they no, get they, it. Yeah, well, they won't, I don't think they'll get him. I think he'll stay at the Storm. But, um, yeah, I think that performance on the weekend just added – there's been some chat about the, the dollar value that he just added in showing the class player he is. But uh, Justin Olam, the centre for the, the Melbourne Storm, who comes from PNG, we love talking about him. And he's been as consistent as we've seen in the competition by way of centres. He scored two tries, and uh, this is how his first one went. Jerome Hughes off to Munster. Loopy cut out ball for Meany, who can duck towards the corner. Back on the inside for Justin Olaf, who's there. He was almost stopped, but had his collar. But Justin Olaf's sheer power got all the way to that southeastern corner. And the Storm respond with the first try of the night. Yeah, sheer power. That's a good way to describe Justin Olam. I would not want to get in front of him. New way. Good mans. <laughs> the other match that I'll, that I'll pick up on, the Roosters 22 defeated the Warriors 14. And this was at the SCG. Uh, really great place uh, for football. It was a beautiful Sunday afternoon. And your brother got on the, on the try-scoring board. Goody out in centre field now for the Roosters. Last play comes from Beryl's dummy half. Off to Kiri. Couple of steps. Kick goes up in the air. What knows Lesniak coming through. Lost it on the way down. Still alive here. It comes to Nangana for the Roosters who runs in to score. Well it was a mess for the Warriors. We will check this. No? Not easy as you like. Nangama on the loose ball. I'm not sure what actually happened. The players surrounded well, Tanis Lesniak, because he came down, he's obviously lost it. A loose footy's come away here. Nangama was the beneficiary, and he scores for the Roosters. A score the go-ahead try. 
That's my brother. Your brother. Yes. Yeah. It was a look. It was a pretty good game, actually. The Warriors pushed the Roosters for a big pretty part, of, big part of the game. They they looked better, I thought. Um, but then the Roosters, as they do second half, they just have these waves of of energy and momentum which they generated and uh, were able to get the victory. Um, your brother played pretty good. Daniel Tupa had a strong game. Who else played good for the Roosters? The um the one I with the long of, hair. I like him a lot. Oh, Satili Tupa. Yes. Yeah, yeah, he had another good game. He's a handful, that kid. You like him a lot. Yeah, I like him a lot. <laughs> I'll let that linger. <laughs> yeah, that game was – I thought it was actually quite scrappy, particularly the first half, but for Kevin to be able to add some points to the board is always really impressive. I was sat on a couch in Adelaide with a red wine in my hand, and I was like, go, Kevin. Good job, Kevin. Because <laughs> I'd already played for the week, so I was already feed You're up. Feed up. How <laughs> feed good. up. Now, this fixture I had everyone scratching their heads, but – the Tigers have clutched a win. I wasn't going to talk about this game because it wasn't that interesting. Oh, Dean, you always do this. Come on. No, but yeah, the Tigers, they, it looked like a lot of relief. Their first win for the for the year and uh, there was a number of um, shots of the coach's box. Michael Maguire, who's been under all sorts of pressure this whole season, he's handled it well. Like he, he, At times, he's looked like he's um, about to tip over the edge, but he's handled it well. And uh, yeah, the Tigers 21 defeat the Eels 20 with the last closing few seconds moments. of the game, closing moments of the game. It was a field goal by Jackson Hastings, who was given the reins as a number seven and uh, Jeezy pro- proved worth his time. He's eight metres in parameter territory. 14 seconds left. They need a quick scamper here. Brooks from dummy half. It was a sort of a scamper. He's 36 out. Set restart. Here's the play. Hastings, 38 out. He strikes it. He likes it. He's kicked it. He's won it. Michael Maguire hugs Simon Dwyer. The players are all over each other. The most unlikely field goal attempt. And Jackson Hastings has belted it over. From 38 out, West Tigers have beaten Parramatta 21-20 in the upset of the season. I love that. that he great. striked it. He liked it. He kicked it. He won it. Yes, he did. You could commentate. That was unreal. <laughs> oh, maybe I do a little bit. <laughs> I think Maury captured the like the energy or the feelings. On the night. He was um, very excited, as was the stadium. It was great atmosphere and... Like I said, a really important win, but a, a huge upset for the Tigers and something that hopefully they can build their season on. Well said. Talanoa time on Can You Be More Pacific? This week for Talanoa time, we're very lucky to have Isaiah Parisi. He is an Australian professional rugby union player currently playing for the Waratahs in the Super Rugby Pacific and also Wallaby. He has previously played for the Queensland Red and also had a short stint with the Brisbane Broncos in the NRL. Welcome, Isaiah. Thank you for having me. Isaiah, before we get stuck into it, can you just tell us where you are, what you're doing and what you're preparing for this weekend? Um, so currently... In Melbourne, we've been here all week preparing uh, to play against the Chiefs Friday night. Um, had this, and yeah, we've pretty much just been um, in Melbourne and sort of living the indie lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> As I we want to take it back to the start and, and talk about where you're from, where you grew up, and uh, yeah, can you tell us a bit about your upbringing? Yep, yep. No, so I was um, born and raised up in the north side of Brisbane in a uh, place called Stafford Heights. Um, it's a nice area now, but back then there was a fair bit of housing commission around, which I was brought up in. Um, I have three older sisters, one older brother, 
and yeah, we were brought up together pretty close, and we still are pretty close. Um, so my upbringing was didn't have much, but in saying that, it was a very fun upbringing, playing around, running around the neighbourhood um, for the neighbours and the other kids and stuff like that, enjoying my school, playing park footy with my mates that I grew up with. So had a pretty good upbringing. From there, um, went to a few schools, started off at Wavell State High, went to grade 10 out in Ipswich at St Edmunds and then finished up at Churchy, which um, sort of well, I sort of picked up the love for rugby union and um, chose that pathway ever since. We love that for you. We know that you are of Samoan descent. So did you have any traditions um, or, or customs that you, that you practiced growing up? Look, to be, to be fairly honest, uh, I didn't grow up with any of the traditions and, or anything. Um, Dad taught us the very basics of, you know, talufalava and all that other stuff. Um, just to say hello, how you going? But never spoke someone to us. Um, never grew up on the traditions. I think it was a pretty broken upbringing, to be honest. But don't really want to get into that. Um, but yeah, all I know is I'm a proud Samoan man. Um, and my uh, village is Mangyangi in Samoa, so that's all I know. Um, pretty plastic, if you ask me. So. <laughs> That's all good, man. I guess one thing that um, we know now in rugby league and in rugby union, there's uh, a high percentage of Pacifica players, uh, both mm. both the men's and the women's format. Uh, being a part of uh, some elite rugby squads, is that something that um, you've been able to connect, I guess, a bit more with culture, being around a lot more Pacifica players, uh, spending lots of time together? Yeah, definitely. Like I've I've definitely been able to. It's 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 put a fire in my belly to be able to you know connect my roots. Like ever since being in a professional environment, I've always wondered about um, you know where my village is in Samoa and all that sort of uh, caliber. And um, I guess I didn't really find that out until I think three years ago when I ran into an old cousin of mine who actually knew absolutely everything. So um, to find out where I'm actually from who I represent and stuff like that was pretty, um, was pretty nice. Um, I think the next thing is to start learning a bit of Samoan, eh? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I say, it doesn't matter how, how little or how much you know about being a Samoan, it doesn't make you any less of it. And yeah, no, there, there are a lot of people and a lot of players who can resonate with that narrative of not knowing a lot. So the fact that you're on the journey, that's all that matters. And, um, you know, we'll turn the attention now to your rugby. You have had an incredible career today. And, you know, taking it right to the beginning, you also had a short stint with Rugby League. So how did that unfold for you? And then how did you find yourself in Rugby Union? Um, so, yeah, so obviously started off at the Reds um, and then went through a bit of a dry spell in my career. Felt like I wasn't developing or learning and um, just fell out of love with the game. Um, so <sighs> pursued a career in Rugby League and, that was um that was honestly the funnest time of my life. I think I was pretty happy. Um, I think with rugby league, you know what you're going to get. Um, with being involved in the game straight away, taking runs and stuff. Um, but I'll tell you what, it was it was definitely a journey that I enjoyed, and I found myself in rugby union again. I got into a bit of trouble um, when I was uh, playing for the Broncos. Um, a bit a bit was happening off the field. Um, so it was, yeah, I got into a fair bit of trouble. So it's it's sort of 
led me to lose my contract and start a journey where I was trying to sort of find myself in a sense because off the field I was sort of losing the plot. Um, so, yeah, I think once I did and took myself over to France and to a rugby union team called Bayonne, I didn't really get on well in France. I had my daughter back in Australia and I missed her a lot. And so, yeah, it's just, it's, a, it's a huge story to un, sort of unravel. But um, I'm glad to be back in rugby union now. I think the Waratahs have, at the very start of 2021, they found me that help that I needed to address and all that stuff. So it's it's, it's been great. Well, you... You mentioned the Waratahs and you've been back um, in rugby since 2021 with them. Uh, you must be doing something well to, to be able to perform the way that you have performed, to be representing um, the Wallabies as well. So what, what are the ingredients that you have at the moment that are working for you in terms of your, your rugby? Uh, I think uh, the journey that I had leading up to uh, coming to the Waratahs really made me appreciate what I have. Um, I was too busy living in the past or in the future um, before the Waratahs. And I think when I touched base in Sydney from France, I think it was just a fresh start for me. And um, I think I was just a lot more grateful for the things that I had and things that I have, which really made me appreciate my footy and a lot of other things off the field and on the field. And it's, yeah, it's just led me on a journey of happiness and um yeah, I think I think the main thing is just being happy and enjoying my footy. Um, there's there's not much there's not much really secret formula to it all. It's yeah, I think it was just the main thing was me being happy and content and being back in Australia, and it still is to to this day. Um, so yeah. That's really beautiful. We all know, and, you know, Dean, he's <clears throat> had a professional career for many years, is that when you are enjoying your football, you just play better. And that it's as simple as that. The Waratahs at the minute, you guys are humming, dare I say, and it's been such a different season compared to 2021. What have the key changes been or, you know, what has been the key to all this success that you're experiencing this year? Um, I'd have to say it was just, it's uh, having a proper game plan, um, having, you know, head coach uh, Darren Coleman under, um, watching over us and guiding us um, as the games unfold. Um, he's pretty – he knows what he wants. He's got direction. He gives us boys direction. He gives us confidence. Having extraditions like Hoops and Jet Holloway and um, HJ's really found his form. I think that's a back of a – grueling preseason with DC. So there's a lot of boys who are actually um, playing really well. I'd say all of, all, all of the boys are playing well and it's it's good to see. And I think it's all of the backbone of a, like I said before, pretty hard preseason. So so credit to preseason <laughs> and DC. Yeah. And, the, and that's the thing. Like I, I wasn't there. Like I, I left the spring tour, so I wasn't too sure of the work, how much work they got done. While you know, us Wallabies boys are gone, but it's it's proof in the pudding, you know, and showing this year. So it's it's it hasn't been the best run for us, but you know, it's an it's a step into the right direction. Absolutely. Well, looking forward, we know that there are tests coming up against England. What are you thinking about that now? Or are you just like, no, my focus is Super Rugby Pacific, and I'll get to Wallabies selections when it comes. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, no, nah, look, my focus on super, super footy, like, I have I have thought about it. You know, when we went to Wally's camp, uh, my, my focus shift onto, you know, England and all that other stuff just for those last couple of days. But when you find yourself back in the Waratahs, you find yourself focusing on the job we have next. So, right now, it's the Chiefs. Um, it's different, you know, when you play against Kiwi teams. It's I wouldn't say it's different, but it's 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 more exciting because you got the best players in the world, I'd say, and it's it's a good competition to be able to see, you know, where you're at and where your team's at. So it's exciting. As I we got no doubt a lot of young listeners out in the islands at the moment. What's one piece of advice um, that you might have for aspiring athletes that want to one day play at the highest level of whatever sport they want to play at? Oh, look, I think there were times when um, in my life growing up, uh, I could have chosen to walk another way and go down another path, but I just kept believing myself, um, kept working hard and, um, yeah, just stayed focused. Um, had my ups and downs, but I think the main thing was just, yeah, like staying focused and believing myself, enjoying my footy, getting around the boys. Yeah. That's fantastic advice. Isaiah, it's been such a treat for us to speak with you today. Before we let you go, we like to end um, with our little segment called Tip On. It's just 60 seconds of rapid-fire questions. You down to play? Yep, yep, yep. Let's go. (laughs) Amazing. The clock is on. What have you been reading, watching, or listening to lately? Um, I've been reading a book on Kindle, and it's called um, A Purpose... Purposeful life, finding purpose. Love it. Who was your most annoying yeah. teammate? Um, Tom Horton. Who is your sporting hero? <clears throat> I'd have to say Greg Inglis. What would be your wrestler entrance song? <laughs> well, it's the big show. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. What was your favorite movie as a kid? Uh, Polo Express. Who in your team is always on their phone? Um, oh, mate. This generation, all the boys are. It's a young team. I reckon everyone. All right. What's something you could <laughs> eat for a month straight? Um, one box salad. Oh, it's hectic if you make it the right way. Favourite place you've travelled to? Uh, Scotland. Amazing. Oh, and last one. Who's going to win the grand final this weekend for the women's? Waratahs or Fiji on a draw? Tars, come on. Come on, come on. Really yeah, good. Otherwise, I would have just hung up the phone on you right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, Zoe, it's been uh, wonderful having you, on, having you on the show, I should say. Good luck with your matchup against the Chiefs this weekend for Magic Round. It should be a great weekend of rugby and also for the remainder of the year in the upcoming internationals. Thank you. Oh, thank you very much for having me, guys. It was a real pleasure. That was Isaiah Parisi. He is a current Wallabies and Waratahs winger slash shadow outside back, 24 years old, born in Brisbane, Samoan, uh, and we wish him all the best for the rest of the year. You can ask that. Your chance to ask what it's really like to be an elite athlete on Can You Be More Pacific? We're back with our favourite segment, You Can Ask That. So if you have a question and you want to ask either a previous or current athlete anything, please hit us up on Instagram. My handle is at Sarah Dangama and you can contact Dean at Dean Hallitau. Dean, this week we have a question from Jack in Warren 
and he asks, what do you think about the plans to take the NRL to America? Now I'm intrigued because you work for the NRL, you've played. So take us into the inner sanctum and let us know your thoughts. Well, it's happening. No, that's not truth. I just made that up. Look, I'm um, kind of gasping like, did I read the article correctly? <laughs> 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 Look, it's uh, obviously it's, it's an idea that's been floated before by um, South Sydney owner Russell Crowe. We know his ties to Hollywood and, and the US. And um, the, the, the plan is, or the, the idea that they're tossing up is between South Sydney Rabbitohs, Manly Seagulls. Now, Manly have another, another um, Hollywood star behind them and Hugh Jackman. He's a big Manly fan. So there's a bit of a connection there. R- Russell Crowe, Hugh Jackman, two Aussie experts doing well in the States um, and bringing those teams over for a... It's not a preseason match. It's a competition match, but it'll be kicking off. The idea is for it to kick off a week before the season here in Australia, and that's just to allow travel time. The teams would obviously get back, have a week to recover, and then to get back into their round two fixtures, whatever those look like. Um, It's an interesting one because I know a few years ago there was a test match between the Kiwis and um, England um, over in the States, and uh, to to get that on in the middle of the season made a lot of clubs clubs nervous because you're travelling – um, into a different time zone. There's a, a fair bit of readjustment that needs to take place, but you also need to get the body moving after being on the plane for such a long period. Um, you know yourself uh, from when you travel overseas, it, there is some challenges with getting your, your body mm-hmm. clock back in sync. So there's probably those concerns, but um, at the same time, you, you want to be able to take a sport internationally. That's how you grow a sport is by looking outside the box and, and trying to come up with something new, a new market perhaps. And, and the States is such a huge market for sports in general. We know how big sports are over there. So we love the game of rugby league. Why wouldn't others love the game of rugby league if they get exposure to it with the best in the world? I guess if, you, if you're going to say NRL is the best competition, take the best competition over there and give exposure to that, then I, th- I think it's a positive thing. It's just the logistics that would be challenging. Yeah, it's really well said. I think I share the same concerns with you. Like, I do believe that it's, it could happen and it, and it can happen. Um, I just question if it's the best thing to do for players, like, to go over there. Just because if anything happens, like, that's a long way to travel to get back home. And I guess it does raise question, like, is the first round game really the one that we want to send overseas? Because, you know, that's kind of starting. I mean, I know that they're going to come back and they're going to have a week off um, and be able to prepare for their round two fixtures. But it's, I feel like it, it, it'll be a hard hard sell like can you really fill a stadium over in america but i guess in order to to make something work you have to try something new i just i I don't know if it'll if it'll fly i think what they could do is perhaps package it as like a pre-season um kind of competition where they take three you know take a couple teams over um play three fixtures and that's how you build a game i just think like people would look at the the matches more of an exhibition one um, and not take it seriously. And I think that will kind of defeat the purpose of trying to raise the profile of NRL in a place like America. Yeah. And I guess also the, the fact that those early season games are quite messy. So you're not really getting the best of the product if you do Correct. take it over there. Good so um, so I guess uh, is that the ideal time to showcase the sport? Probably not from a um, from a competitive point of view or just seeing how good it could be um, but then you don't really get an opportunity anywhere else in the year to, to play something like this unless you said there's a split round during the year where teams don't play but then we've got rep footy it, it, it'd be really hard it's already a packed year very congested we don't want to sacrifice other things like international football around uh, rep weekend if there's going to be um, some fixtures on there we don't want to mess that up by um, moving a premiership match because a premiership match gets plenty of coverage anyway so 
Look, it, it, it's a great idea. I, I'm all for expanding the game and giving it exposure. I just think it would be logistically a nightmare for, for clubs. I reckon coaches would be on the edge of their seat like, and this is not going to work for us. If our season falls over, it's because of this. Yeah, 100%. We don't want to give coaches room to say that either. So, Jack, there you have it. Thank you so much for your question. And, again, please feel free to hit us up on Instagram and let us know anything that you'd like to know about. Can you be more Pacific on ABC Radio Australia? Oh, my God. Woo! You're with Sarah and Dean talking all things sport across the Pacific. Don't go anywhere. We've still got our favourite socials. We tackle the tough headlines in the ruck and we have a look at what's coming up this weekend in sport. It's time for Island Life. We'll head over to PNG to hear from our man on the ground, Peter Pasol. He's got a chat with Relly Caputin. Today I have... A special guest with me. Her name is Relly Caputin. She is an elite athlete representing Papua New Guinea at several international uh, tournaments, including the Pacific Games, uh, the Mini Games, the Mini Pacific Games, and uh, the Commonwealth Games, as well as the Olympics. Uh, she's also a record holder for the jumps, our long jump. She's also, she also does the triple jump. And she also does the high jump, so she's a jumper extraordinaire for PNG. She's represented us, uh, she's been an elite athlete since 2013. She's represented the country at all the uh, uh, games that I've mentioned. And now she's preparing for the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, which will be uh, in August. And she'll also do the mini games, which is before that in July. First of all, welcome to the show, Rally. Yeah, it's a great pleasure to be here. You're uh, training for the uh, Commonwealth Games. Just tell us how has training been? Uh, what have you been doing? How hard has it been? What are the challenges? And uh, what's next on the uh, on the itinerary for the next few weeks as you head into the Games? Okay, well, training's been going uh, good for me at the moment. Uh, I came back here last year after the Olympic Games and I took two, uh, two months off just to take some time off and then uh, I, I got back to training in November and training been going on for me from then, then till now. But it is a great challenge for me because I'm not really training with my coach by my side. He's, he's in Australia and I'm training here in Papua New Guinea at the moment. And one really big challenge that I've faced is I'm a jumper and I need need the sandpit to jump. But I've not been doing jumping at the moment here because of the sandpit. Uh, and at the moment I'm just focusing on uh, building up my sprint and just working on my strength. Uh, strength to to get my fitness up so yeah actually training's been going good at the moment so you said there's no uh, sand pit here in port moresby and you've been training most of the time here uh, how are you going to resolve that situation are you going to go somewhere where there's a sand pit or are you going to i don't know imagine there's a sand pit and then train that way in your head Actually, there's a sand pit here in port moresby it's a sir john guy stadium but it it uh they haven't been digging it hard properly so yeah maintained properly so i once injured my leg here in 2019 so i'm not gonna risk it again jumping and training at the sandpit because i have big competitions that are coming up but at the moment i'm using ella beach as uh uh to train just to do my plyo and bounding on the sandpit and yeah, just uh, well, I'm looking forward to go back down to Australia as soon as possible to start jumping down there. So, 
Yellow Beach is a massive, massive yeah. sand pit. It's like the, that's the biggest sand pit I, I know of. Uh, so heading into the mini games, uh, what are your goals? Uh, I'm looking forward to go uh, attend the mini Pacific Games and defend back my titles in the triple jump and the long jump. So, what about the high jump? Uh, all the high jump as well, but for now I'm just focusing on the triple jump and the long jump at the moment because... Uh, for the Commonwealth Games, I'm only doing long jumps. So, okay. And then the big one, the Commonwealth Games in Birmingham, the United Kingdom. Uh, what are your goals for that uh, world event? You've been to Olympics and uh, Commonwealth Games before, and you know what, it's, what it takes to be there. You've competed against the best. Uh, how are you treating this? How are you approaching uh, these Commonwealth Games? Oh, well, my first Commonwealth Games was uh, in 2018, uh, at Gold Coast, and uh, I just missed out on the finals in the women's uh, long jump. So for this Commonwealth Games, I'm trying to go uh, focus on my training and go in and try and get into the finals, and that's going to be amazing for me. So, What are the challenges or the obstacles or hindrances that you face in terms of competing against other elite athletes on the world stage? Um, is size a factor or speed? What do they have that you need to bring yourself up to in order to compete and be on the same level and maybe even beat some of them? Uh, actually, uh, it's uh, the speed. I, I, I've uh, seen a couple of them that are really so powerful on the runway and all those. So go, uh, we went to the Olympic Games and we, we saw a lot of things that we need to work on with my coach. So we're just waiting to, for me to go down, travel down there and fix it. And then we'll try and see how it goes at the Commonwealth Games against the world's best. So, yeah. All right. After the games, what's the plan going forward? Well, I have uh, many games coming up, Commonwealth Games this year, and then I have Pacific Games next year, and then I have Olympic Games in 2024. So these are are really good series of games that are coming up that will help me to qualify for the Olympic Games. So, yeah, I'm really excited. That's great. You've got all your uh, ducks lined up in a row, and uh, I guess... Are you hoping to make a final in one of these world events? Would that be the ultimate goal? Yes, definitely. Uh, I finished in the top 20 at the Olympic Games last year. So I'm trying to focus on making it into the final at the Olympic Games uh, in 2024. So that will be a hair plus for me. So. <laughs> All right, Bradley, thank you for sharing all that with us. We know you're very busy uh, with your training. We wish you all the best, and uh, hopefully you, do, you, sh- you shock some people at the uh, Commonwealth Games in the UK. Yes, definitely I will. All right, uh, that's back to you, uh, Sarah and Dean, in the studio. Love really. She's such an incredible athlete. I've had the opportunity to meet her before, and it's so good to see her putting PNG on the world stage. It certainly is. And to hear some of the challenges too she's facing with the training to the try and pit. You know, not having a, a proper long jump pit to, to work in is um, no doubt really challenging, especially preparing for a Com Games. But um, she sounds like she's just adapting and just rolling with what she's got. So, you know, fingers crossed that she does well uh, at those Com Games. Yeah, no doubt. And hopefully we see her in Australia soon because we know that her coach is located here. So as soon as she can get over here, the quicker her preparations can continue. But all the best, really. We look forward to covering your journey. Can you be more pacific? Keeping it social. 
Now, this is my favourite part of the show, keeping it social, because we all know Sezi Gal loves the gram, and this week it did not disappoint. There was plenty going on on social media. Yeah, a bit going on, a bit going on. My one comes from the NRL Instagram, and we all know that the Tigers clutched a win on the weekend, and Jackson Hastings slotted a goal, and it was incredible. Maybe two plays left. Brooks. Laurie's in front of it. Well, if it has to, if it comes, it has to be here. Goosebumps. So for anyone who hasn't seen it, basically he slots the goal, boys are piling onto him, but then the camera goes up to the coach's box where all eyes are on Maguire and he's just ecstatic. He is. Emotions overflow. That's a perfect soundtrack for that moment. That gets me in my feels. <laughs> I'm in my feels now. Michael Maguire gets up. He hugs Simon Dyer, former player who's now their, their analyst. He's next to him, so he jumps all over him and the players are piling on each other. And yeah, I was I almost shed a tear for that. Yeah, it was pretty special. <laughs> what about you, Holler? What did you find? Well... Earlier this week, well, it was only yesterday, actually, uh, Calvin Ponger announced that he's re-signed with the Newcastle Knights, and uh, there was some footage that was popped up on the NRL Roast Instagram page with uh, a pub reaction to the news of Calvin Ponger signing. Uh, we're, we're proud, uh, honoured, and humbled to announce that I'll be extending with the Newcastle Knights for a further five years. Now, it wasn't actually a pub in Newcastle. For anyone that's watched Game of Thrones, there was um, a moment in Series 6 or whatever. There's too many series, but um, Arya Stark kills a White Walker, and there's a pub that actually viewed this live. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's going to back and watch it now. It's that old. But anyway, there's a pub reaction where everyone goes ballistic. So the Newcastle Knights uh, obviously had that good news, and NRL Roasters just overlaid that Kalen Ponga announcing it, pub going wild. It's pretty funny. It's pretty funny. I fell for it. I actually thought that was a yeah, thing. And I thought, me. since when do people pile into a pub to see a player <laughs> announce their, their contract extension? No, good was... fine. Good fine. You've been doing some good work there, Hallis. Oh, I've been digging deep. Real yeah. deep. <laughs> Two minutes before the show starts. <laughs> in the rut. Tackling the tough headlines in sport on Can You Be More Pacific? We do have some tough headlines this week. Well, the first one's pretty cool, so I'll throw to you for that one, Sarah. Yes, the New South Wales team list for the Women's State of Origin has been released. Now, there have been some names that have been left out, namely Maddie Studden and Kennedy Charrington. Those are two names that stand out to me just because of how frequent they have featured in previous seasons. But let's just take a minute to digest Maddie Studden. She actually captained the side in 2018 in the inaugural Origin match, and then, you know, we're now here in 2022 and she has not been included. Yeah, this, it's probably dis- obviously disappointing, I should say, for, for Maddie Studden. A um, little bit of a surprise. It's a fairly strong-looking squad. And look, it is a squad, so no doubt things can change. There's still some um, state league footy that needs to be played. So if she uh, has some really strong games in the lead-up to this match, she may force her way back into the squad. Um, you can never say there's never a chance. But 
um, off the back of a, a pretty decent season with the Parramatta Eels where she was involved in a, a couple of clutch moments, a field goal that got them a win. Um, she laid on a few tries as well, kicked really solidly as a goal kicker. So um, disappointing, but good news for the Origin squad to be announced and no doubt all those that are selected are pretty, um, pretty pumped for um, you know what's ahead of them. Plenty of dragons and roosters throughout the squads. Yeah, it's been a huge NRLW season and I think we can all say it's been a fantastic product. So to see girls being pushed for selections and seeing big names being left out only speaks about how competitive the squad is. Um, Their coach did say that there is room for girls to push for selection. So they'll be counting on that city versus country match that'll be coming up in a few weeks. And then, you know, come June down in Canberra, it'll be a spectacle of rugby league and I'm really looking forward to it. But huge headline. It is a huge headline and it'll be cold, I've got to say. In June. Burr, it's cold in, in her. Are you going to be on the sideline? Maybe you're on the sideline for that one. Yeah, you know, don't put it past me. I might be there. Take your uh, sock warmers. <laughs> Noted. A tough headline in the ruck this week has to be Anthony Milford. He has signed a conditional contract with the Knights, but he does find himself in a bit of trouble. Yeah, well, he um, originally signed last year with the South Sydney Rabbitohs. And before that uh, contract started, I guess, uh, he was involved in an altercation uh, out in Brisbane one night and uh, he was charged with um, a number of charges placed against him, three of assault and then one of willful damage, public nuisance. In the end, he's gone through the, the court process and the NRL's agreed to register his contract um, based on uh, facts that were given as agreed evidence in those proceedings and uh, the ones that stood were public nuisance and of willful damage. There are conditions, as you said, to the registration of his contract, which includes him going to um, going through a program. It's a secondary prevention program where he will be. Um, he'll have to get through that before he's allowed to play. So that determination will be made by um, third parties that that run these programs, uh, and obviously there'll be ongoing monitoring of Anthony Milford. But um, it's it's a big move because there was footage that was that was seen by. Um, obviously the, the court and also the NRL around what happened in that moment. Uh, I guess he didn't fall under the no-fault stand-down policy because the, the length of time for the maximum sentence was below the threshold for that, uh, which is why he wasn't held under that. Um, and there are fairly strict um, conditions, I guess, that have been placed on him. And they took into account, the NRL took into account also the time that he's been out of the game um, or the time that he's been uncontracted, I guess, uh, since this has all gone down. So, look, he's going to have to be on his best behavior once he re- re-enters the game. But the, the main thing would be for me, going through this this secondary prevention program and going through uh, counseling is that there's change. That's that's what you want to see. It's not so much about him getting back on the football field and, and playing whatever football he plays. It's about actually changing behaviors and, and him acknowledging that those behaviors are going to change. Yeah, well said. And I think you highlight something really important there, that you know, good humans play good footy. And I think there's just been some, you know, some moments in his past that he's been held accountable for, but through what you would hope all this extra development and training and, and counselling um, will mould him into, you know, the man that he needs to be to be able to to don that jersey. Because it is a privilege to be able to play in the NRL and you need to be able to contribute well to society um, in order to to earn that privilege. So I think he's, he's taking the right steps. Again, like we don't condone that behaviour, um, but there have been measurements put into place to, to see um, some kind of ability being upheld. ABC Radio Australia. Can you be more Pacific? Unfortunately, that's all we have time for. So if you missed the show or you just want to listen to the magic again, it'll be replayed on Friday, 2pm PNG time, or you can find all of our episodes on the Radio Australia website or wherever you listen to your podcast. It's all here. Mother. Can you?
you be more Pacific? An ABC Sport production for ABC Radio Australia. This program has been funded by the Department of Foreign Affairs and Trade.